Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Welcome to China Jedi Talk, where we interview a broad selection of the human race who spawn from different cities, towns, and villages in and around China and across the world to talk about life, business, love, strife, places, faces, different races, attractions, distractions, goals, and aspirations, creating selections, affections, opportunities, and connections, and as always, shining humor, love, and light on Chinese life. May the smile be with you. Can I just say that my questions just like yours are just begun? Can I just say that your questions just like mine are just begun? Cause it was breaking news. It's funny to say this because I've got a whole, you know, I've got multiple websites having to do with China and, and I write about it all the time. I'm, I've learned to appreciate. Yeah. And I've learned to like... Um, see the beauty in the Chinese language, Chinese calligraphy, like all that stuff. But it's not like I don't love. It. Hello, listeners, and in this episode, I get to China Jedi talk to Mr. Josh Summers, an avid travel writer who's been a China expat for over ten years, living and working in China's far-flung province of Xinjiang. Yes, I said Xinjiang. He's the creator of the popular website TravelChinaCheaper.com and author of a top-selling travel guidebook titled "Everything You Need to Know Before You Travel to China." Check it out. Got two boys. One yeah. is seven and one is two. So yeah, they're uh, they're, they're great. They they're they're so much fun. And they we're we're in the U.S. at the moment, but they were in China. They lived most of their life in China, and they right. they loved it. Yeah. So so God, there's so much to talk about. Um, I, I mean, I got three boys. So yeah. one is yeah, one is six, one is four, and one is about to turn one. They're all born in China. And uh, I just hope the the unexpected one that's coming in October. You know, I, I'd obviously I'm we're blessed anyway to have these wonderful beings. But a a a, a girl would be nice if I can make a call to the higher dimensions. And just as I talk about that, there's a subject already to talk about: having a baby in China. Did you have your boys in China? So no, they were they were both birthed in America and okay. immediately moved to China. So they grew up in China, but they weren't birthed there. Okay, but again, a great juxtaposition to have because you had yours in America, and I've had mine in China, and I, I think there's a lot of foreigners that kind of weigh that up of to go back、yeah. home and then come back and things. So there's a huge subject. Anyway, well, I'm curious. I yeah. Because、like, the reason for us is is、uh, I mean we lived Western China, right? So I don't know if you've ever been out to Xinjiang before, but the healthcare there is just not up to like. Standards, you know. I, I think、imagine. we lived in Beijing or Shanghai. It might have been a different story. I don't know. You're in Zhuhai, right? Yeah. Is that what I saw? So I, I mean, I don't. I've never been there before, so I don't know what the the standards are there. But maybe it's it's a whole lot better, probably, than than where we were, where we are. Yeah. Well, I I I mean, there's a God. Every time you speak, they've got a thousand questions for you,、um, and we've <laughs> got to try and cover something today in the in, in a broad spec. Um, yeah. And and so just float it out. How, what brought you there in two thousand six? So can you just、yeah. like you start with your thing and let me know because I'm、yeah. highly interested. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was not a planned thing, and nor was it strategic in any way. We、um, we were initially we, my wife and I both speak Spanish. Okay. We did. <laughs> it's been it's been years. <laughs>、uh, 
But uh, we were trying to do something through the in the in the U.S. We have something called the Peace Corps. Right. I don't know if I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, before. I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, in order to place a couple, uh, instead, like uh, apparently placing a single person is a whole lot easier than placing a couple. And so they were telling us it was going to take a year. We were like, we don't have time for a year. We mm-hmm. want to get out and we want to do something. And so it was just one of those connections. A friend of a friend of a friend uh, had knew some people that were in this really remote part of China. And they were like, hey, I think you really like it. I was adventurous enough. My wife was adventurous enough. So we, we decided we'd give it a year to see if we would really enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, and we fell in love, man. I, I really, I honestly, it's funny to say this because I've got a whole, you know, I've got multiple websites having to do with China and, and I write about it all the time. I'm, I've learned to appreciate. Yeah. And I have learned to like um, see the beauty in the Chinese language, Chinese calligraphy, like all that stuff. But it's not like, I don't love it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like my, oh, you know, I've always wanted to live in China. If I could, you know, I wish, like if I if we were not allowed to live in Xinjiang, I don't think I would necessarily want to move to Beijing. I mean, I don't think I'd hate it, but it wouldn't be like my dream. But what we, what we experienced there, which is kind of this mix of cultures, Central Asian cultures, you know, the Chinese culture, obviously. And then there was, there was Russian, there was Kazakh. Mm. Um, and, if, you know, you got the Uyghur people. I mean, it was... It was just, it, it was different enough, mm. and there was enough, you know, variety to keep me interested and intrigued, and and you know, staying there for the past ten years. So you have been in Xinjiang, West China. You lived there for ten years, and whereabouts, like Urumqi? So that I mean, we ended up, and once I started doing business, really the only place to do business is in the capital. You get outside the capital, it's just it's too hard. But yeah. to start, we we spent a few years teaching English, and so we were in a city called Karamai, okay. which if you look at Urumqi, you go northwest. Wow. Um, and there's Karamai, so it's more it's closer to like Kazakhstan. Um, it, it was in the middle of the desert, like literally the city the city didn't exist 65 years ago. It was just desert. And then they dug and found oil and they built a canal to bring water to it. And it's now probably one of the richest cities per capita in China. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the map. And if you look at Xinjiang now, I mean, it is massive. I mean, it it takes Guangdong, Fujian, Jiangxi, Hunan, Guangxi, Guizhou. It's even bigger than all those put together. Oh, yeah. It's massive. Wow. And it, it reminds me of, I've not been there, but I've had a few meetings with people. Uh, one guy pulled a knife on me once. Um, from He was from Xinjiang, uh, because you can carry knives in Xinjiang, can't you? Um, anyway, that's a story for another day. But uh, it, it kind of it reminds me of like when I see the pictures and I've watched documentaries, like another planet, like you're on Mars or something, you know, very dry, that dusty, sandy uh, and, and then like Mad Max, uh, you know, the Mad Max movies, I get that kind of feeling like you're driving along and then suddenly this kind of city that's been put together comes up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I read, I, I watched a documentary on the Silk Road because that's kind of, it leads from there, right? The, through oh, there. there were multiple parts of the Silk Road that went through there, yeah. And they found mummies, uh, remains of blonde, uh, blue-eyed, blue-eyed beings. Yeah, some yes. some some of which were much taller than ourselves, but that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. So so there's some really bizarre stuff, history going on there. Uh, so ten I, years. By the way, I've seen that mummy. Oh, it's, whoa! It's in a museum in Xinjiang. Wow. 
So they call it the the lowland beauty because you can still like you can still see your eyelashes. Wow, that's crazy. So weird. Yeah, what a story. Wow, it's really incredible. Um, yeah. So yeah. Where, have you been able to travel much around? I mean, obviously you said you haven't been to Xinjiang, but have you been to like Gansu or Qinghai or any kind of those northwestern sides? So looking at the map, I tell you, the furthest I've gone in to the west is is sadly uh, Chongqing because yeah, okay. on some on a business trip. And of course, that's yeah. a bowl of, it's got a vibe to it, but it's just a bowl of pollution, isn't it? It's unfortunately got that bowl. It has that natural bowl, doesn't it, around it, the mountains, and it just keeps everything yeah. in. Uh, but, but I'd love to go, I mean, I've been to Yunnan, Kunming. I'd love to go up through Lijiang to the, oh, I mean, is it even true, Shangri-La? Is there an actual place called Shangri-La? Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you been? I have not been, but I know it's there. The it's an actual place. Yeah, I wonder if they have a Shangri-La hotel in Shangri-La. They must have, huh? <laughs> anyway, we'll have to go and visit. So, but yeah, nothing, nothing further than that. Um, saying that, when I was first in China in 2004, I lived in Japan, I took the train, the Trans-Mongolian, from Beijing up through the north of China, but then I went into Inner Mongolia, changed the tracks, and yeah. then we went through up to uh, Siberia and stuff. But, uh, yeah. wow, it's like... Um, it's just it's just huge, isn't it? It's a massive yeah. part of the earth that's very uncovered. Oh yeah, no. I mean, when I first got there, traveling from Turpa, or let's just say Urumqi, the capital, yeah. to Kashgar, which is on which is the yeah. western end of it, right? And so we're we're just talking about going from central Xinjiang to the west. It took twenty four hours by train. Wow. I mean, that's down to eighteen to twenty now, but still, that's. That's just unreal. Yeah, really. And Kashgar, Kashgar, is that Pakistan? No, what? where's Kashgar? No, that's China. Oh, it is China, Kashgar, yeah? Ah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's so it's it's the end of the Karakoram Highway, which leads into Pakistan. Right. So it's really the farthest west big city in China. But it's, um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, China, in, in China. Have you, have you ventured into Tibet, Josh? I haven't. That road that goes up, yeah. really, China controls. Oh, they yeah. want you to go up into Tibet from Lanzhou. They don't want you to yeah. go from Xinjiang. Well, yeah, control is certainly the word over a vast part of the culture here, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but but um, <laughs> what, wonderful. So you, you did two years in uh, doing English um, in this place in the northwest of, from, from Muramuchi. And, and then, so then what happened? Because I guess as you do in China, you got into doing other things like... Is this where it now leads into where you've got to now? Yeah. So, you know, you had mentioned something. By the way, it ended up being about three and a half years that we were teaching okay. up in Karamai. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like what you were saying before, where, where a lot of what we get to do because of China, because, you know, rent isn't insanely high and, yeah. you know, we can we can make money if we need to without having to worry about, you know, just like all the bills that pile up when you're back exactly. in the UK or the US or something like that. And so, you know, I used that time to just start a website. I wasn't planning on making it uh, like a full-time business or anything like that. It was just a way for me to you know, send pictures back to my family or, or to write, write about what I was experiencing, just to, you know, creative outlet. And, uh, and slowly that became something that I, 
I thoroughly enjoyed doing mm. and I, you know, was learning, you know, kind of like you were taking and, and learning a little more about the guitar. I was, I'm taking, yeah. I was taking classes on, you know, SEO and writing and, you know, just how photography, video and all that stuff. And then also come to the realization that, that most people had no clue one, where Xinjiang was and yeah. if they did know where it was like, like what, what kind of culture, what's, what, what does it mean to be out there? And so that gave me an opportunity to just, you know, travel and um, photograph it, video, um, write about it. I got to, you know, I got to write for Lonely Planet, for BBC, oh, for um, for DK out in, in from the UK, and wow. um, you know, just and and honestly, I think the the cool thing was is it's it's not because I'm an insanely awesome writer, right? I mean, I I think. I think I'm good. I'm not going to try to do this humble brag or anything. I'm, I'm a good writer, mm. but I'm not, you know, amazing. But because I was basically positioning myself as the biggest fish in a really small pond, like there was nobody else writing about Xinjiang. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And so if somebody wanted to know anything about it or if they wanted somebody to write about this region and you go online, you look and I'm the only one that comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Again, yeah. not because I'm amazing. It's just because there's nobody else. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of an edge where I was able to take advantage of that unfair advantage and move on that. And so I was able to, you know, like I said, work with a number of really cool publications, publish my own travel guide. And then as I, you know, use this time of basically working for free, you know, where I'm not, I'm not making a yeah. lot of money on my website at that point. Um, and then about three or four years ago, I, I, I really started to see the potential better and things started to take off to the point that now it's, I mean, it's my full-time gig. Wonderful. Like it's all I do. And I hire, I've got four employees right now and, um, and, and it's great. I mean, it allows me a, a lot of freedom to be able to do, whatever the heck I, I want to do in whatever location because yeah. you know right now I'm in the US I'm still you know writing about China and you know working with my team to produce the content that needs to be produced um, and and I love that I think that's an am amazing thing about online um, business is that I don't necessarily I, I can you know, we're, we're hopefully going to be um, heading out to Thailand in a couple months. And while I'm there, I'll still be able to work, you know, sure, like, yeah. and, and make money. And so it, it it can travel with me no matter where I'm at. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it. Um, it wonderful, buddy. It's it's just really lovely, like, hearing positive stories like this. And I just, I think it all comes from just the passion you have when you get into something you really enjoy. And then you stop mm, worrying yeah. about you stop worrying about oh my gosh am I going to be able to pay the bills and things like that I I, I, I think it's very much like like because I I teach that's my my full time gig at the moment I teach yeah um, and you know you talk in education terms about this kind of the flow even athletes talk about it the flow you get into that time where almost like play. We go back yeah. like kids when we're just in our own world and we're not fearful of anything. We're not worrying about the past or the future. I think when you grab that in certain respects, it just shoots out this energy that connects everything, brings things back in that creates that path that you want to go to. So I'm, 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 I'm really pleased with you. That's, it's really great to hear. And I want to hear about this book because been, I've been on your website, which is mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, the website is travelchinacheaper.com. Yeah. Yes. And um, the book, 
So it, it was a, a big seller on Amazon, I think it, you were saying. When did you do yeah. this book? When, when did that conceive that? When did I, that come out? It, it published in January. I've been working on it for about a year. Um, there were some life events that kind of paused some of that, so it really should have probably only taken about three months. Right. It took about a year to, to get published, both as a print and as an ebook. And yeah, I mean, it's it's selling much better than I was hoping. Yeah. Um, I sell. There's about right now. It's about five to ten copies a day that, oh, that get sold. And um, surprisingly, you know what I've I've uh, just realized is that uh, I, I actually sell more print copies. Wow. And I do ebook copies, which I didn't expect that at all. Well, but um, well, that's interesting. So, hang on, it came out in January. Mm-hmm. This January. Yes. So we're, three we're months, four months ago. We're hot off the press here. It's it's yeah. so hot. It's still smoking. It's still smoking <laughs> its way from Xinjiang to America. And um, so, well, I I kind of get that because I mean, what's the book about? Just what's the title of the book? Right, so the the titles. Travel to China, everything you need to know before you go. So this is, it's, I I like to call it a a travel handbook. Um, And and here's here's where it comes from because I was working, I I would work in partnerships with travel agencies in Xinjiang all the time with the websites. And one thing that would happen all the time is that people would sign up for these tours and they'd get really excited about it. And then they'd fire off this email with like 20 questions about, you know, Can I use my, you know, ATM card? How, how do I use my phone? You know, can I just bring my own phone? Do I have to buy a phone there? Can I get a SIM card? You know, what about, you know, hospitals? Or what do I expect in a hotel? Can I, you know, do, will they have hair dryers? Does yeah. they have Wi-Fi? Like all of these, what you and I would consider basic, basic questions. Um, and, and so, you know, like if, if, and I'll send you a copy of the book. I really don't mind at all. I'd love to do that. Yeah, and wonderful. You probably look at it and go, well, yeah, of course, you know, that, that's like second yeah. nature to you yeah. now. But the longer we live in China, we forget that that's not second nature. No, that's like no. a shock to people that are first time coming. Yeah. And so I, I the, the way I explain it to people is I, I basically wrote the book as if I was writing to my mom the first yes. time she was coming out to China. Just like, Here, here's what you need to know. All right. You need to prepare yourself for this. You need to prepare yourself for that. No, you're not going to have to use a squatty potty more than likely. But definitely keep some toilet paper with you because yeah. most toilets won't have any. You know, like like those basic things that the Lonely Planet really doesn't cover because they're they're more saying here's where you should go, here's how much it's going to cost, and and so it's more the how to instead of the what and the where. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely does. And so a couple of points from that. So you said that yeah. you're selling more of the print version at the moment. And I was going to yeah. come in and say, well, hey, maybe it's old school tactics. You know, if I go traveling, I like to have that book that I can read, whether it be on a train, on the toilet or on the road, wherever in a cafe. Uh, but then you poo pooed that because you said, well, the book's actually what to do before you come to China. Yeah. Um, so maybe you just leave it in the house. But of course, no, you wouldn't. You would bring it as a reference. I mean, how big is it? We're not talking like a Bible, are we? Here? OK, so you're getting one out now. Yeah, so oh, there you go. It's a couple of centimeters yeah. wide, like thick. Yeah, it's not too. It's just a traditional size, two hundred pages. I like how you've admitted the photograph of yourself from it. There's no photo. Oh, there you are. You're on the back. Yeah, yeah. there I am. Kind of a bear grills <laughs> kind of. Yeah, black and white. I like that. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, that's huge. So, is that your first first printed book you've ever done? 
It's the first printed Wonderful. book. I did an ebook on Xinjiang before that, but this is the first printed book. Congratulations, mate. Thank you. Yeah. It really is. It, it feels... It feels nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe it's like the first time you have like your your own CD as a yeah, musician yeah. or something. I don't know. It's just it's like tangible. Hey, you know, uh, many have come before us and many will come after us. But what are we here to do? We're not here to make money. We're here to create yeah. and make people happy. That's what I feel. So these like these podcasts we do, uh, China Jedi. It's completely uh, a, supposi- uh, a suppository. That's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I should do that's brilliant. The suppository. Yeah, well, I hope people don't think that. <laughs> no, a repository um, of information that I don't know when we leave China, if we ever do, in the, it, something to leave. Some people will find use in it, as they will in your book. And if people don't want to read it or they don't find it useful, though, that's absolutely fine too. Um, yeah. But it's something that you've done and and you should feel very proud of. So that's that's wonderful, mate. That's great to see. Now, on that book as well, um, I read on your website you say you're not the lonely planet, which is a which is a, a good point. I want to go in on here. Uh, neither are you a lonely man uh, with two children <laughs> and whizzing all over the place, Thailand soon. So so if you're not the lonely planet, because you've got a lot of stuff on your website. There's going to be a lot of stuff in that book. I think you've kind of answered this already, but what are you if you're not the lonely planet? Yeah, and I, I like the way you kind of placed it. I'm, I like being uh, a resource and a generally free resource. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've found ways to, to make it profitable without necessarily having to charge everybody. So, I mean, like everything that's in here, honestly, is on the website for free. Yeah. And and if you spent the time, you could you could find it all there. Yeah, it's just you know if you want something that's you know easy to read, you know it's it's organized, then it's right there for you. But um, yeah, I, I, let me say it this way: I I believe, and and this is this is the way that I would say it. I don't like the phrase that time is money. Yeah, I like to think of time as an investment. Right. So I, I don't want to trade my time in China for an hourly rate. I don't I mean, I had to. And, and I, so it's, I'm not saying that's bad. But what I mean is, like, I'm not I'm not trying to trade a dollar for, you know, however much time it takes for me to teach something. What I want to do is I want to invest in a relationship with that student that could turn into a friendship that lasts a lifetime. I want to invest in creating a resource that could help other people come. Um, I mean, it's, and I think that in the end, the payout is a whole lot better if I'm there investing in my time instead of getting time for money and, and using, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of people that do that. And again, I'm not trying to bash them, but you know, they come into China because they just need to make money as a teacher and so they'll spend their two years or a year yeah. just making a whole bunch of money so they can fund their travels elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, more power to them. I, I looked at it differently and I wanted to invest in the region that we were in and hopefully make some sort of relative impact. And I'd say that my contribution was to capture and almost uh, create a, um, what am I thinking of? Like a. It's not a suppository. Uh, I'm sorry. You're not. It's not a suppository. No, I mean, just create a reference of in point in time. This is what Xinjiang looked like. Yeah. 
Um, there was a, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of propaganda coming out from China and from you know Western media sources. So here on the ground is what it looked like. Here's what Uyghur culture looked like from the years 2016 yeah. to 2019, and hopefully, you know, decades down the road, that'll that'll be of value. I yeah. don't know. Well, but, uh, that's kind of what I invested in. Josh, it, it, almost like a, a piece of art. You know, you you, you see a picture yeah. of somewhere a thousand years ago. And within there, you go through your own consciousness and look at it through your own perception and you see something of value and everything has its value. You know, even that person you meet down the street, he's an absolute asshole. Uh, there is always <laughs> something valuable to learn and to, to receive from it, right? So, um, yeah, and, and a, a great, uh, you said time is not money. Yeah, I, I can't stand that one. It's, uh, it, God, it's been played so much. Uh, you say time is an investment. I like that. And I've heard another one. Time is art. Time is mm. art. Because through the time that we are, we're here on Earth, we do create our own tapestry, our own pictures, our own writing, our own form. That, like you said, when you leave, people will look back on and, and there will be something in it for everyone to take um, in their own unique way. So, yeah, w wonderful. That's, that's really nice. So, Lonely Planet, though, uh, I'm... Not surprised they didn't have anyone up in Xinjiang, and they found the only <laughs> crazy guy that would stay there for ten years to do it. So that's that's really wonderful. Now yeah. I want to go as a as a father of three, four soon. Um, how are you doing it with the kids? Because you said seven and two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, for schooling, when you were in Xinjiang. Well, well, they went to a local school. I mean, there can't be an international school there, can there? Or is it? No, there's no international school. So, I mean, at the time, you know, this is last year, my son was in kindergarten. So right. he did a, a local kindergarten, which thankfully at that point, you know, there's there's not like the same pressures yeah. of school that you would normally have. So uh, kindergarten was just him having fun, learning Chinese, you know, making friends, all that type of stuff. And, and for the most part, he enjoyed it. You know, I had a freak out moment when I walked by and and he's all dressed in Chinese fatigue, singing Chinese propaganda songs and going, oh, my gosh, what am I getting my son into, you know? But, you know, he it was all pretty innocent at that point, and he was having a great time. Yeah. So um, what what's the plan ahead? Like, because you're in America at the moment, yeah? You're in Dallas mm -hmm. now. So, yeah. uh, and you said you're going to, you're coming back to China or what? What's, what's the... We're coming back to Asia. We're okay. not quite sure where yet, but uh, yeah, we needed. Um, it was there were some circumstances last year that that kind of required us to come back here, and we've been able to spend some good time with family, and now we're we're ready to to go back out. The Mandarin up in uh, in Xinjiang. I mean, it, what's the dialect they use there, or is it? Uh, I mean, it's it's still Putonghua, but but I mean, there is like this Xinjianghua, like uh, certain words that they use. Similar to like there's, you know, like there's the Shanghai accent or others that, yeah. that are just unique. But but for the most part, it's the same stuff you'll hear in, in any other part of China. So it's quite it's quite clear. You know, you know like the, the, put, yeah. the Putonghua down here is very Cantonese-ish. It's, it's, it's mm, got a... It's yeah, very no, it's much more clear than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, wonderful. Um, but we were... Well, what I was going back to is we've been here for about 10 years and yeah. love China... Everywhere has its ups and downs, and 
I think yeah. my, my, my thing is QOL, quality of life. That's the, the main thing. Okay, factor in money, but factor in also time to spend with kids and factor in pollution and factor in places yeah. to go at the weekends and getting back to nature and factor in all those types of things, relationships, friends. And uh, we love China. I, I can't seem to be able to get out. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those gangster movies that always pulls me back in, you know. Um, yeah. But we've been looking around. I mean, I've explored Asia a lot over the years, travelled a lot of Asia. And we love the look of Vietnam. We've got friends that have moved to Vietnam and, and Malaysia yeah. as well. We were in Malaysia at the Chinese New Year. I mean, what, what's, what, what countries have you as a man-to-man, father-to-father kind of been looking at? Thailand, I guess, maybe a... Thailand's a great option. We were looking at Malaysia. Kuala Lumpur has a you know good standard of living, some great international schools. Yeah. Um, Singapore's pretty expensive. Yeah. I don't think I really gave that much thought. But uh, we, we visited the Philippines before. Okay. have some good friends there. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's probably going to end up being either Malaysia or Thailand. Those are those are also probably the more foreigner friendly places as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I really like Malaysia. And obviously, it's it's steeped in that kind of multi-culture, multi-culture. It's got that understanding yeah. that we're all different colours and from different places, and that's really okay. We all have something to kind of to give. A and you're still going to run into t- plenty of Chinese there. Well, well, this is it for the kids as well. You know, I, I still want them very much, and, and myself to continue. Yeah on our Putonghua journey. So, okay, exactly. w- wonderful, buddy. Oh, another thing that came into my mind, travel China cheaper, right? Now, when did you conceive yeah. of that URL? <sighs> that was six or seven years ago. Honestly, like between you and me, that was back in the days when when SEO was all about, you've got to have like this word, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trying to like yeah. match these words. I, I wish I would have created a brand, but I'm too far down the road to really change that. And so, um, you know, I'm going, I've, I'm rebranding right now, but, but I have to keep the name the same just because that's the way it's been now for so long. And, um, but yeah, it, it was, it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, well, well, what I was going to think is because a lot of my 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 wife and like friends because my surname's Bradshaw, Bradshaw, right, Bradshaw, yeah, and and they so in England we have this word called blag. I don't know if you know what a blag is. A blag is like when you get something for free or you know you get discount, you like you use charm or whatever. You're not stealing or anything like that. It's called a blag. Oh, you okay. blagged it. Like you go to a music festival and you I don't know you you know someone you get in there for free. That's a blag. How do you spell that? B-L-A-G, yeah? Okay, So So anyway, so I got the name Chris, it went from Bradshaw to Blagshaw. And uh, (laughs) and, and of course, you get the whole, you get the taunts like, oh, you're always, you're such a cheapskate, you're always trying to save money, and you're too frugal, (laughs) and that's not true, I'm a very generous person, but... Um, uh, you know, I've had to deal with that kind of joke. You know, everyone has a joke. We play joke on people. It's our way of showing love in England. That's what we say. <laughs> but anyway, I think you're a cheapskate like me. And the reason I think you're a cheapskate like me is because when you conceived of an SEO idea, Travel China Cheaper, six or seven years ago, you must have been really cheap because China was really cheap six or seven years ago. Ridiculous. <laughs> So I, I kind of like, you know, you're still trying to get people to save money six or seven years ago. That's wonderful. So you're definitely a frugal guy. Would I be right in saying you are very, how shall I say, um, you know, organized with knowing where things are going and flowing? 
Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You, you hit it on the nail. Yeah. Okay. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And so, like, my wife is the complete opposite. I mean, there's Taobao boxes arriving at my door every day, and I had to curtail that. Yeah, I had to yeah. curtail that. So, um, yeah, but, but I guess it's the yin and yang of relationships, right? You've got to have that kind yep. of the opposite. Exactly. Good balance. Ah, wonderful. That's, that's where's, your, where's your wife from, by the way? My wife's from Japan. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, no, I never do things the kind of easy, the normal way, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious, um, has, has she experienced any... You know how China feels about Japanese people. Like, has that been any difficult for her, or has that been okay? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge... That's a podcast in itself, really. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, we've been here 10 years, so... And we've had our three children here. So we feel very at home in China, uh, not to the Good. point of how a question like that... question like that may be portrayed. Um, I feel that sentiment, historically, is still there. Um, yeah. But it's not so obvious in, how do we say, fast-growing cities where only really what people care about is generally themselves uh, and their children, um, no one yeah. else around them when they're driving or in a queue or anything like that. Um, yeah. Certainly not at least if you're African or Japanese or whatever. But early in the early days, Josh, I remember there was some political tensions. Juhai, there was a massive protest. Um, I think a lot of the Japanese stores were getting smashed and cars and things like that. And I remember going out on the street by myself to see that. And wow, it's it's crazy how human beings can be so uh, polarized into f- thinking one way. You know, I, there were young kids up on lampposts sh- shouting, you know, yeah. about it. And um, like this mob mentality. Mob mentality, very much so. And of course, it's very much not just in China; it's worldwide. It's a human condition. Yeah. And um, and uh, Japanese were warned um, not to leave the house uh, over that period and stuff. So it was a little unsettling, I, I feel, for, for, for Japanese uh, people, certainly my wife at that time. But uh, look, 99%, absolutely fine. So, you know, I, I positively Good. stay on the human beings are better than that. And um, if they're not, they've just unfortunately allowed governments and powers that be media monster machines to get in their heads. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, but but it's a, a very interesting question and a very pertinent, I still think, uh, for China as we move forward in the next twenty, thirty years, because there's a, a lot of things like that that will come up um, that will yeah. need to be dealt with. Um, yeah, so yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice segue in, into into that. Uh, what else was I going to say, Josh? I, um, just based on what we're talking about with your book and that. Um, oh yeah. On your website, I mean, you're getting a lot of hits on your site. I think like 150,000 unique visitors a month, which is... Uh, this last month was actually 250,000. It's been growing. I mean, compared to, compared to ChinaJedi.com, it's is minimal. <laughs> you know, we're on about, we're on about 4 billion, uh, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not just from planet Earth. Um, and uh, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was, because we get some really funny like emails and stuff like that, you know, because people are just like fantastically fantastic. I, and sometimes I just don't quite understand some of these questions that come in. I, I wanted to ask you, do you get the same, um, do you get mad questions? Like, for example, in a lot of the China Jedi shows we've done, we, always, we take a question like, uh, why do uh, Chinese carry babies around with holes in their trousers, you know, in the back and sure. things like that. 
that actually if you live here and you look at it from both sides, Chinese side, Western, well, that's really weird side, you kind of find a yeah. middle point, right? So, yeah, have you had any kind of weird inquiries, any stuff like that kind of like... Yeah, I mean, I get a lot from like the the SEO side where, hey, can we write something? You know, I want to write about, you know, beaches in Nairobi. And I'm like, yeah. I'm a China blog. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but my, my absolute favorite is... And this happens more often than you real than than I care to admit. Like people asking, legitimately emailing me and say, "Hey, can you help me find a wife in China?" Wow. I'm like, no, I cannot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever in helping you find a wife. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, I'm just trying to. My entrepreneurial mind is speeding off in various directions. Some not good at the moment. <laughs> And I, I love your tagline. We could come up with a, you know, we could come up with a new website. What? CheapChineseBrides.com. <laughs> and we could, uh, uh, what's, your strap line is, I love that one. You said you tend to do things for free, but you use the phrase, I'm generally free, which I find it that's so funny. I'm free, generally. Generally, I'm free. That's wonderful. Sometimes I'm not, but generally I am. Uh, okay, so that's yeah. mad. That's, that's really, gosh, that's, that's really mad. Yeah. Well, power of the internet, Josh. Yeah, I know. It is crazy. Power, power. I'm looking here at your uh, your website. It looks like you uh, you must have got a haircut because what I see is some pretty long hair. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now in, in which website's that? Yeah, because it's... Yeah, that's... Your, your homepage, your personal website. Okay, yes, yeah. That was last year for the for the teaching job. I had to spruce myself up a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, that's a funny one also in china isn't it because uh you know beards that beards have become very fashionable now in the west haven't they you got these guys growing these yep. massive beards and in china beards are very much frowned upon and and every time i shave i mean i i 99 I, I shave i will have someone in china come up to me in that daytime and say oh you're very beautiful very very <laughs> handsome and, and all it is is i've shaved so if you're yeah. a, if you're a man, this is this is for our new website we're going to launch next year, Josh. Cheap China Brides. If you're a man looking for a wife, make sure you shave every day. <laughs> There's a free tip for you. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, now also because you've been in Xinjiang for ten years, I, I just find that fascinating. I haven't met a foreigner who's lived in Xinjiang ten years. There must be one crazy story that you can tell me, like just. Like just one that comes out that you'd always tell your friends that might border on the kind of that's probably why I don't want to live there for all my life or maybe on the case of a mistranslation and you ended up in a funny side of things. There must be one story that you can. Yeah, there, there, there are plenty. Let me see if I can. Think no, 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 it's one of those when someone says to tell a joke and you can't think of any. It's one of those, isn't it? They're in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right when you when the spotlight hits you. I mean, I'm thinking um, like um, you know, someone that's come over to travel there because you said you were helped, you know, with helping people come over and travel. There must have been some story that went wrong or something with maybe someone else you know or there's, there's always one. Oh yeah. Um, hey, I tell you what, I tell you what, Josh, why why are you thinking about that? Because I, I, the unconscious has its way of bringing it up, so don't think about it. Biggest challenge. Right. Biggest challenge in your 10 years of being in Xinjiang? What was it? Ooh, the biggest challenge, I mean, 
I think the biggest challenge was that uh, Xinjiang is a politically polarizing and very sensitive region. Wow. Like extremely, extremely polarizing. The number of comments that I get on my videos from Chinese people that are nationalists, and, and it's even a positive video, but they yeah. just don't like a foreigner kind of commenting on it, on, you know, the culture out there. And so I had to, I had to just feel the whole lot of hate you know, I had to learn to grow a leather leather skin yeah. pretty quickly, and uh, and that was that was a challenge. On on top of the fact that, um, you know, the the officials out there, the government officials and all that stuff, they they knew they knew about me, and I knew they knew about me. Yeah, I mean, not not in like a oh I'm famous type of way, but like they're watching me. Yeah, they're they're making sure I'm I'm on the right side. But they never made it easy for me. Like yeah. I was always, I, I always had to kind of toe the line. Yeah. So I'm in a place that's, you know, there's some stuff happening there that that I know is is happening. But for the sake of my family living there, I yeah. can't just become like this activist. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, that that's yeah, that's really a. Uh, that became a challenge yeah. in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I could imagine. And I mean, this this kind of nationalism, that stuff like, so you'd put something out there about, you know, 10 things to see in this city uh, for someone traveling through or something like that, and, and they would take it as, that's well, not... so for instance, Kashgar, right? Yeah. There's an old city in Kashgar, and the government there decided that it's too unsafe. So they completely tear it down and the history involved. Mm. And they rebuild a new one that, you know, it it doesn't really even look the same. Right. And and so I mean, but it it still has the Uyghur people there, like it still has the culture, so it was still enjoyable to see. But as I'm filming a video about it, I'm talking about that and saying, you know, I see. I mean, it's just not the same. I, and and you know, I, I enjoyed the first one. I still like this, but you know, just being honest, honest. I'm not going yes. like, oh, you know, China's. So amazing! Everything they do is awesome. But just being honest, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's just you know the the number of comments from people that are just like, oh, the foreigners always walking in and and wishing you know that people would just stay in their their huts and stay in the third world countries right. for us. It's like no, I don't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It. Oh, miss, but it's missing still. That's what I have to deal with. Um, are, are there a lot of foreigners? up in uh, that part of the region? I mean, is there an expat bar you go to on a Friday night to, you know? <laughs> uh, no, actually, no. there's not. I mean, there is a, a bar that, that some people think, but you still have to, like, arrange for people to, you know, meet you there. Because there's not, like, a section of the city that's, like, the expat part of the city. So everyone's kind of scattered. And so if you want to meet at a point, you kind of have to arrange it. Just quickly, do you get Taobao up there or not? In in I'm being asked to ask you that okay that's that's wonderful so yeah Josh well let's pull this to an end then uh, for now but um, I'm really hope that we can uh, continue this uh, yeah. for sure in the future because there's a lot of stuff we can we can discuss so thank you very much for for yeah. uh, talking with me today yeah absolutely yeah no it's I'm I appreciate the time it's great to connect. enjoy listening to the china jedi podcast and want to get involved either by asking a question expressing your opinion good or bad light or dark or even appearing as a special guest then get in touch by emailing our team at info at china that's info at china may the smile be with you